What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Cubs Live Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Malzahn, alongside co-host Mark Tallarico. And look, dude, we're back. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's been a while, but honestly, this offseason, there really hasn't been much to talk about because it was slow and kind of a quiet offseason for the Cubs, which they kind of took an interesting approach, you know, where they're kind of betting on their young core to kind of get better and take that next step. But look, Mark, tomorrow's opening day, so you and I, we're looking forward to it. Can't wait to get talking about it. Basically, this podcast is going to be previewing the whole season and looking towards the uh, Texas Rangers series. So the Cubs finished Cactus League play this past weekend with a 17-13 and two. They've had two ties, and that was the record. So there's a lot of good signs this year. I mean, for one, you have Wilson Contreras. He seems to have found some power. Hopefully that can transfer over to win counts Tyler Chatwood outside of one start hate to say it but he was kind of good uh you Darvish is healthy that's been key but one thing that kind of stood stood out to me is Dylan Maples and for me personally he's been a guy on my radar for a very long time the Cubs bullpen right now is probably their biggest question um I feel like every team kind of has a weakness and that is for sure the Cubs uh their bullpen is there's a lot of question marks in it. And Dylan Maples is a guy who had a great spring. You know, batters only hit 143 against him. So if Maples, the biggest thing for him was his command when he came up last year. He has the ability to be a strikeout and punch out guy in the bullpen. But the biggest question for the Cubs is their bullpen. My biggest thing is Dylan Maples. And I think he will come up at some point and make a difference. Now, Mark, for you, what's one guy that stood out to you this spring when you look at it as a whole? Well, the thing, the one you talked about Dylan Maples and while he is, he's been kind of on the come up for a while. And I think that he will be making an impact soon. Mine is a player who he isn't going to be up for probably another year or so. It has to be Nico Horner. You know, he really, he really did well. His on-base percentage was 550. His, I mean, his OPS was out, was off the charts. It was unbelievable. He, came up, played with the big guys, and he did his job. It was really – it reminded me kind of of what the uh, what the younger guys, well, now the veterans like Chris Bryant and them used to do, and then they would go back down, you know. So it, he proved himself, and then he's like, I am I can do well on this level, but he's still, he's still going to be playing in double A or whatever he's even doing. He's still got a long ways to go, but that was nice to see how well he did and – Obviously, you know, you already talked about Chatwood, how he looked pretty well, how he looks pretty good overall. And Darvish, not only is he healthy, he looks good too. Yeah. And you mentioned Nico Horner. Nico Horner is a guy who is going to be on Cubs radar. I mean, he was the 2018 first round draft pick for the Cubs. Uh, Nico's a guy who can probably, he, he primi- primarily plays shortstop, but he could probably play the middle infield if you threw him over there at second base. So, um, it's going to be interesting. And that's a position that's kind of up in the question marks with the whole Addison Russell situation going on too, right now. Uh, I'd assume that, uh, Nico starts at double a, um, and maybe makes his way up to triple a. Do we see him in September? I'm not too sure. It would be dumb to rush him. Um, I guess one now, one of the biggest things, um, when you talk about the middle infield and a guy that comes up is Ian Happ, right. And, this past weekend, there was some news and it kind of threw me off. And I'm sure I could speak for a lot of Cubs fans. It was completely unexpected that Ian Happ was optioned to AAA and he's going to start the season in Iowa. Now, Mark, here's my outlook. 
if Ian Happ was going to stay in Chicago, right, he wouldn't get the consistent at-bats that he needs. And what Madden, you know, that's what Madden kind of preached was he pointed out that it was a contact problem, and rightfully so, because he hit 196 after the All-Star break last year and with double the amount of strikeouts than he had hits, which is pretty remarkable. And this this spring, you're, you're kind of seeing the same thing. He hit 135 with a 196 on base percentage. Take it for a grain of salt because it's just spring training stats, but nonetheless, his first full season in the majors wasn't as impressive as many people would have thought it would have been. So there's an urgent sense of kind of getting Hap right at the plate from both sides. And I think the Cubs know he is a better player in the long term than what he's showing right now. So sending him down may be discouraging, but it's also a sense of telling him, hey, look, man, we're not giving up on you. We just think that you have another level to be on and you got to get right and you got to get the at-bats to be on that level. Uh, Mark, my question for you is what do you make of this Ian Hap situation, first of all? And he wasn't happy, obviously, rightfully so, but can that really mess up a player's mentality or do you think that it's going to help Hap and kind of use that as a chip on his shoulder going forward? I hope that he's going to use it as a chip on his shoulder and kind of like what Schwarber did in 2017, because Schwarber was everybody expected. Oh my God. He, everything before then he was amazing because in 2000, 2015, 2016, well, 2015, he had a, a great second half of the season when he came up 2016 world series hero. And then he was pretty dreadful overall. And then he got brought back down and then he re you know, reset everything. And he's been pretty solid ever since then. I'm hoping the same happens for uh, Hap because, I mean, his he was truly just dreadful in spring training. And while you said you can only take so much out of spring training, when you're a player like Hap, you know, and you're kind of battling for playing time and you're trying to prove yourself that, oh, the second half of the season, like, that was a fluke, I'm good to go, you got to be ready to go. Because he's not, you know, Chris Bryant didn't have a great spring, but he's Chris Bryant. It doesn't matter. You know, like when you've already proven yourself for years on end that spring training, it's not that important. I'm not going to stress over the fact that Lester's ERA is like eight something in the, in the spring. Like I don't care about that because he's John Lester. Ian Happ needed to prove himself and he wasn't able to. So yeah. I'm hoping that he uses the AAA as like, he uses his experience in Iowa as just an opportunity to really go back through the basics and figure it out. Because I mean, in the meantime, Elmora will be there, you know, more playing time for Elmora and he, we know we're going to get out of Elmora around 290, 280 hitter, not real, any, not, not any real power or anything, not many walks, but we'll get some hits, you know, that's what Elmora is going to do. Yeah. I mean, Elmora this spring has had a marvelous spring too. So we'll see how it shakes out. Um, Like we say though, I mean, take it for a grain of salt, spring training sets don't matter. So none of what they did this spring is guaranteed, but you hope to see some of those players, um, succeed. And one of them is Albert Elmore too. Hopefully he can kind of have a breakout year um, as far as, you know, a little patience at the plate, get a few walks and uh, show some power. Uh, now, uh, no, I want to talk about this. Now, one of the bigger news stories this spring actually happened a few days ago, and that's Kyle Hendricks. He got a four-year extension worth $55 million with a fifth year vesting option. The deal can max out at $79 million after, you know, different incentives like side guns and stuff like that. Now Theo talked about it at his presser that he wants this core to stay intact for as long as it can. This is the first guy in the Cubs core to receive an extension. So how important was it Mark in your eyes for the Cubs to extend Hendricks right now through 2023 with an aging pitching staff? 
I think it was crucial because when you look at this pitching staff, you think about who's going to be here long term. I mean, Lesser's getting older. We already know how old the uh, Hamels and you uh, Darvish is going to be. You Darvish is signed for the next five years or whatever, but he's going to be aging. And Hendricks is. I mean, he's not a young guy by any means, but at the same time, he isn't showing any signs of slowing down. So extending him, I think that was a great move. I think that showed the rest of the clubhouse, hey, like, we're not just using you guys for a couple of years. We're trying to keep you all together. So I, when I saw that, I was thrilled. I immediately texted my dad and my brother, and I was I was so happy about it. And it was, I mean, it's a pretty good bargain, too. Oh, 100%. That deal, like... I saw a lot of people that were talking about like, oh my God, they gave they gave a fourth starter that much money. I'm like, you have no clue who Kyle Hendricks is. Like, right. that is amazing deal right there. Yeah, and I think the biggest part about it was it was pretty f- friendly on both sides. For one, it protects some arbitration years for Kyle Hendricks, uh, locks him up for a few other ones. Uh, the Cubs, they're not really going out on a limb. And obviously the talk around this offseason was they're broke, right? They don't have money. And this year's... Um, you know, his, his salary this year didn't change. It's going to all come next, uh, next year in 2020, uh, is when the contract extension money will be set in. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, a really good deal. I feel like in both for both sides, uh, and one thing when you say about like, you think that Hendricks is going to age well, well, I think that completely in the, the reason being is this is because Hendricks right now is a Greg Maddox type of guy who's not going to light up the radar, right? He's a guy who is consistently driven by command and pitch placement. And one of the biggest things when you get past your 32s and 33 year old, and it's hard to still throw a 90 mile per hour, 95 mile per hour fastball. And Kyle Hendricks doesn't do that right now. And for it's a lot, I feel like it's a lot easier to lock down on your command at 33 years old than it will be pitching 95 miles per hour. So I think that Hendricks is going to age really well. Um, great job by the Cubs to get it done, by the way. Uh, the first one, we'll see who's next. Maybe it's Kyle Schwarber. Maybe it's Wilson Contreras. You'd think maybe Javier Baez is next. Uh, that's going to be a little pricey and you'd love Chris Bryant to get that extension, but Scott Boris, you know, you know how that goes. We'll see, uh, how that unfolds. But Mark big speaking about Javier Baez, he was a big part of the Cubs success in 2018. And you know, he, when guys went down, he was the heart and soul of that lineup and going forward in 2019, what's going to be the key to succeed for the Cubs last year was Javier Baez. What's one key for the Cubs to succeed now in 2019? Well, I have three keys actually. Um, This is kind of, I guess you can count it as two, but I'm kind of grouping them together. Contreras and Chris Bryant bouncing back because when Chris Bryant isn't Chris Bryant, the Cubs can only do so much. But when he's hitting, you know, when he has an on-base percentage over 400 and he's hitting 30-plus home runs, then that is just an unbelievable weapon that few teams in all baseball have. And then also, if we go back to August of 2017, when Wilson Contreras was going on like an MVP-level tear, when that was happening, I mean, the Cubs were nearly unstoppable. And he is the engine and he is the, the energy with the team. So when he is going, I think the rest of the team goes. And we saw how terrible he did last year towards the back half. So the fact that he had a good spring, you know, he had uh, an OPS over 1,000 throughout the spring, which once again, it's only it's only spring training, but that's a positive thing. So if he does really well, I think that will do a lot for the hitting for the Cubs. 
when it comes to pitching, you Darvish has to be you Darvish. If he is, if he could pitch 180, 200 innings, somewhere around there, if he's striking out guys left and right, has an ERA mid three, Cubs are in good shape. And this is just kind of like an added in bonus because he had a pretty good spring. I think Tyler Chatwood could be an X factor. If Chatwood can turn, I don't expect him to make his way back into the uh, the rotation because I I don't think anybody trusts him. But if he can turn into a Mike Montgomery type, and if he can stretch out three innings at a time and just be that long reliever, and if he can't, you know, if he finds a way to not walk as many guys, if he just doesn't get the yips like he did last year, which I hope it was, but who knows? But uh, if he can do that, then that will be huge for this bullpen. It'll be huge for so many different factors of this team. Yeah, I have a few things to note on that. One for Chatwood is it's nice that the MLB season is really long and it can be very tiring for a pitcher. And just like in 2018, you never know what kind of injuries are going to happen. It was Chris Bryant last year, you Darvish. There might be injuries to the staff, right? And for the Cubs sake, they have two options in their bullpen who can be a six man who can give a spot start and with Chatwood and Montgomery, that's huge in any ball club. So we'll see, man. I mean, and, and as far as Wilson Contreras goes, uh, man, when you look at this offense, Outside of 2016, really, with this all this core up, it seems like it hasn't really clicked, <laughs> like all together. And 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 it's a testament to last year that in the AL, the Red Sox, they all clicked and look what they did. They won over 100 games and they had fun. And I think that's just kind of a preview of what can happen if you get guys like Baez doing the season he did. You get a 2016 Chris Bryant back. You get a Wilson Contreras repeating each month not each month but that 2017 august you know that form uh you get all those guys together and this offense is pretty crazy but now i got a quick question just a quick question what's more important for you do you think for this club's team do you think uh you darvish is is more important or do you think cole hamill's exceeding in a Cubs uniform is more important because we've seen Cole Hamels is two kind of different players. You got Cole Hamels when he was on the Rangers and you got Cole Hamels when he comes over to the Cubs. One, one was terrible last year and that was Cole Hamels on the Rangers. And when he came over to the Cubs, he totally succeeded. And maybe, you know what, maybe he just needed to change a scenery. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of Cole Hamels, man. I'm, I'm kind of nervous, but I, I like Cole Hamels. I just, ah, man, it's going to be interesting. He's 35, just like Lester, but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of player we get out of him. Well, the thing with Cole Hamels, and while you can't totally bank this on bank everything on this, is the fact that Texas Rangers they play in one of the most hitter friendly parks ever. Right. You know, it's not it's not quite Coors Field, but it's it's up there. It's probably top five worst places to pitch in baseball. And even when he was doing terrible there, he had some pretty solid numbers on the road. And I remember when the Cubs uh, traded for him, I remember like everybody was like. Well, he's not going to pitch as well as he did on the road, of course. Like He's not just going to suddenly have this ERA. Let's hope he just falls somewhere in the middle. He somehow pitched better. He exceeded all expectations, and the Cubs hardly gave up anything for him, so that was amazing. But I think that moving forward, the, the biggest thing has to be, out of the two, you Darvish, because of the fact that the Cubs are only locked into uh, to Hamels for one more year, and if he does well, I think they'll offer him something else, but... Hugh Darvish still has five years left on his contract. That's very true. So if, he, like so if he is struggling this year and if he's hurt again, then the Cubs, I, I mean, the Cubs are a faithful 
fan base are faithful, you know, but people are going to start turning on him, and yeah, it's going to be more hard. More than to they remember. already have. I know, I know. Which you, don't turn on you, Darvish. We're, yeah. we're you, Darvish people here. Yeah, but it's, if it's, man, I, it's it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you look at on paper this this starting rotation, you, I mean. Yeah, I'm biased, but when you look at it on paper, the Cubs probably have the most potential on their staff. I mean, you got Lester, Darvish. I mean, ah, man, it's it's going to be interesting. Now, we just talked about the Rangers, and the Cubs will start the season in Texas against them with some interleague play and pointed this out on at Cubs underscore live. You can follow us there on Twitter, just a little quick plug. But I pointed out that uh, the last time the Cubs started their season in interleague play was in 2016. So it's going to be interesting. Now, the Cubs are a team much like the Royals, full rebuild mode, right? I mean, Mark, what do you expect the Cubs to do against a team like this? Well, the Rangers, I mean, like you said, they're in full full rebuild uh, mode. They were one of the worst teams in baseball last year, had a 67 and 95 record. They had a decent spring. They were 13 and 17. And of course, that doesn't really mean a lot because it's spring training, but it looks a lot better than 67 and 95. Yeah. And it looks like the Cubs are going to be facing, uh, and uh, I'm going to name a whole lot of names here. And if I if I say them wrong, I apologize. But uh, Mike Miner will be Thursday, Edinson Volquez will be Saturday, and Lance Lynn will be Sunday. Meaning they'll miss the lifelong Cub Drew Smiley. That's a little yeah. joke because he never even pitched for the Cubs. But um, Miner has the the pitching wise, it's. Eh, I don't know. I mean, Miner has a career ERA around four. He gave up 20 home runs over 157 innings last year. So right. he uh, he's kind of a fly ball pitcher in that regard. Um, yeah. Only in Rizzo and Descalso has hit against him. So it's relatively unfamiliar territory for the Cubs. Um, Volquez didn't pitch in the majors in 2018, but has some solid accolades, including yeah. being an all-star in Cincy in 2008. And, a me- and he was a member of the uh, Royals rotation in 2015 that won the World Series. So mm-hmm. he's kind of all over the place, but um, his numbers are super inconsistent. He has a career ERA 4.4. He gives up the long ball a decent amount and walks a lot of batters. Not Tyler Chatwood level, but he walks a lot. So he's kind of out of control. Um, Cubs have a history of success against him individually. Javi, Bryant, Hayward, and Rizzo have all found success against him as all of their ERAs, uh, all of their OPS is around 1,000 over multiple events. Uh, hopefully for that game, I'm looking for a more patient approach because he's so wild. You know, I'm looking for wild pitches, hit batters, you know, steal some bases, maybe do a little bit of, have some fun, do some small ball the second game of the year, you know, just because he's going to be all over the place. Um, Lance Lynn, he was once a key piece of the Cardinals rotation. He's kind of fallen off a cliff since leaving that really boring town in Missouri. Um, He found some production with the Yankees the latter half of 2018, but his ERA was still 4.77 over the year. His walks are up and strikeouts are down, so don't expect to see the Lance Lynn that uh, was in St. Louis. And historically, the Cubs have the upper hand against him. Amora, Javi, Hayward, Rizzo, and Schwarber have have uh, past success against him and John Lester hit a home run off him last year. That was the person who John Lester hit a home run off of. So that's, uh, that's what's happening there. But for some reason, Zobris and Bryant, they are terrible against Lance Lynn. Their career numbers are awful. OPS like under like 600. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but hopefully that'll change this weekend. Batter wise, they have some solid players with good power. Um, once again, with the whole name thing, I'm going to butcher these for sure. But look out for Shin Su Chu and Rogned Odor, Joey Gallo, and uh, Nomar Mazzara. 
Gallo is a he's a huge power threat. Hit 40 home runs last year. Um, Nomar Mazzaro, he's a young player with good power. He's hit 60 home runs in his career, and he's 23 years old. Um, the bottom line is that the Cubs are playing in a hitter-friendly park where runs should be scored at a premium, and hopefully the Chili Davis days are behind them, and they can put up some big numbers as they should have the upper hand pitcher-wise, but we can't sleep on their bats. Yeah, I mean, when I look at a Texas Ranger um, lineup or you know, even their rotation, it doesn't really scare me as much. Um, I mean, you got your Joey Gallo who's going to hit 50 home runs, but bat 196, um, Lance Lynn, cause I've seen him quite a bit, uh, minor, who knows what we'll get out of him. Uh, I I'm not too sure. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, like you said, we don't have any, the Cubs don't have Chili Davis anymore. They got Anthony Iaposi. So hopefully they can come out swinging in a hitter friendly ballpark. Now, Lester, he's getting his fourth opening day, not as a Cub. What quickly I'm going to run through these pitchers. What can we expect out of Lester? I mean, he's John Lester. If there's one thing I know about Lester, it's that he's not going to stress about a, a start in March. Right. So really, like I could, I could, I wouldn't be surprised if he gave up two runs in the first inning. Like I, I would not be surprised at all. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he went six innings strong. You know, so Lester, it's whatever. I'm not really expecting him to be on top of his game in March because he had a pretty dreadful spring overall. But once again, it's spring training. He's John Lester. We know who John Lester is. I'm not going to stress about him too much. You Darvish, he's going Saturday against his former team. Now that Cubs fans are, you know, we, ex we as Cubs fans kind of expect to help the U Darvish. What, what do we expect out of him? What, what is he going to bring to the table? I think the fact that he's starting the second game of the season, I think that shows a lot of how the clubhouse feels about him and how, how he feels too, because if he didn't, you know, I think last year he would not have wanted to start that second game because right. he didn't truly feel like himself, but I mean, he's had a really solid spring overall. Um, that little blister thing that he's dealing with, but apparently that's fully healed. He did find his outing a couple days ago. I mean, if he is who we think he is, then he's going to be one of the nastiest pitchers in baseball that is going to occasionally, you know, mess up. And he's kind of, I'm not going to call him a head case, but he's, he's a different athlete. He's a different kind of athlete. He's not Kyle Hendricks. He's not John Lester. But he is going to be a very solid middle of the rotation guy if he can stay healthy, which I'm praying that he can. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. I think one of the biggest things for you, Darvish, this past offseason was that he wants to feel more connected with Chicago, right? He wants to, you know, get acclimated with the fans. So he lost his translator. He didn't have to do that. And just the person he is, he wanted to feel that connection. So uh, I mean, man, I mean, you Darvish, I'm, I'm, I've never rooted so hard for one person to absolutely chuck the baseball as I am for you Darvish. Now heading over to game three, Cole Hamels, he's that veteran. What should we expect from him in 2019? Does he sustain his success in a Cubs uniform or does he fall back to what he was with his former team, the Rangers? I don't think he's going to do either of those things. I think he's going to just fall somewhere in the middle and that's perfectly fine. If he falls somewhere in the middle, because that'll be, a mid three ERA, but also, I mean, he chugs away at innings. He is yeah. a reliable guy. He's always healthy. He's going to be out there. He's going to get the job done. And the Cubs don't need him to be an ace as long as everybody else is doing their job, you know, because we haven't even mentioned Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana yet, who we both know have all-star potential and Cy Young potential as well. So who knows what exactly is going to happen with the rotation, but with Hamels, I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I think that he's the type of player where I think he's going to start off really good. I, I don't know why exactly, but I think he kind of 
he has that mentality to him. I think he's going into his old ballpark where, I mean, he kind of fell apart towards the back half of his uh, end of back half of his uh, career there. But I think he's a different player, and hopefully, he shows it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy too. Uh, how many? How many? Like, if you think about it, how many ties the Cubs have with the Rangers? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you got the Darvish uh, coming over here. You got the Cole Hamels. You got the Kyle Hendricks. Uh, just a lot of ties within them, and they're going to start the 2019 season. And before we wrap things up, I want to just ask this, and I know it's a vague question, Mark, but what do we expect out of this Cubs nine team in 2019? 2018, we thought you're going to see everybody kind of progress, and they regressed. And I think it's had a lot to do with the hitting coach, Chili Davis, right? Uh, when it comes to a broken offense, I think he was preaching something that most players didn't like. And even Chris Bryant said he didn't really like it, and they didn't agree on most things. So uh, a team that its offense collapsed at the end of season in 2018, out of the gates, what do you expect and who interests you the most that you're excited to see in 2019? As a team itself, I mean, if you look back at 2018, so many things went wrong and it seemed like the team never hit a groove and they still somehow won 95 games. I'm still right. trying to figure out how they did that. But in 2019, I mean, if, if the players, we don't need them to become superstars. We just need them to become above average you know if as long as chris bryant stays healthy you know what rizzo is going to give you i don't expect another 2018 javi year i don't expect that out of him necessarily but he i don't think he's going to just plummet down to 2016 2017 level you know i think that he is going to establish himself as a good player and i mean this team there's no reason to think that they're they shouldn't be involved in the top five top ten teams and top ten at least top five teams in baseball really because they're returning so much from last year and everybody right now appears to be healthy yeah so i agree moving forward there's no reason to think that they shouldn't be a really good team and i think they're more relaxed than they have been i think last year they had a pretty big target on their back again especially after getting you darvish i think it was like oh look at this team like they they got the big free agent like all this you know and it didn't work out too well last year but this is a prove it year this is a prove it year for everybody because if Schwarber doesn't do what he's supposed to do. If Elmora doesn't do what he's supposed to do, same with Contreras, all that, then Theo is going to have to take a look in the mirror and say, are these my guys or are we going to get new guys? What are we going to have to do? And I, someone who I'm really looking forward to this year, I think, I mean, there are a lot of guys. I don't know who I'm not looking forward to really, but I'll, I'll just say, I'll say Contreras. I'm ready for Contreras to really prove himself and prove that 2017 wasn't a fluke and the first half of 2018 wasn't a fluke or anything like that. And that whatever happened towards the end of last year, maybe it's Shirley Davis's fault, whatever it is, but those days are behind him. You brought up a great point in that it, it's it, it, 2019 is a very telling year for a lot of players and not only a lot of players, but it's also very telling for Joe Madden. Uh, it's kind of crazy, but the whole talk kind of was, he's going to be on the hot seat and, all, he's on the hot seat and whatnot, and they're not going to extend his contract this offseason. But look, man, I hope all this, you know, kind of feels the fire a little bit more for Joe Madden to win. And I think he he kind of feels that surge, right? I mean, he is more involved in the everyday activities uh, at Cubs camp he was and, uh, you know, bullpen outings. So it's going to be interesting. And like you said, this is a very telling year that if players don't progress and take that extra leap, like, 
many of fans and front office think he they can, then Theo's going to have to do some reevaluating. Uh, so, man, 2019 are right around the corner. We are less than 24 hours from the first pitch of the 2019 season. Mark, are you ready for this Cubs season? I mean, man, are you excited? Or are you, are you like, oh, man, another season, we'll see how it goes. Are you excited for this one? I've been yes, I'm very excited. I remember last year of like towards the end of the year, it was it was exhausting. All how every every single game was like, like every single game I was games. scoreboard watching what was happening with the Brewers and the Cubs just were scoring one run, two runs a game, getting shut out. Just brutal. it was a brutal last couple of weeks of the season. And I remember towards the end of that wild card game, I was like, I just want this to be over. Like this is just just, just shoot me. This is just yeah. awful at this point. So. All that's out of my head. I'm ready for. I'm ready to. I'm. I'm totally refreshed. I'm ready to watch the games. Ready to follow along. See how everybody's doing. Dive into the stats. Dive into the content. Be pumping out these podcasts. Everything. I'm ready for all of it again. I'm too. It's a 162 grind, and that's what we do here at Cubs Live. It was we grind. Uh, Mark Tellerico. You can follow him on Twitter at at Mark underscore Tellerico. That is T A L A R I C O. For myself, Kyle Malzahn, you can find me at Kyle Malzahn, Kyle, and then Malzahn, M-A-L-Z-H-A-N. Or you could just follow us on Cubs Live at Cubs underscore live. Appreciate you, Mark. Man, I'm looking forward to this season a lot and so much more we're going to talk about. So uh, hope you guys have a great day.